Welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. Carrying on the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, we have now expanded our community to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Now, here are your podcast hosts, your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team. Listeners, welcome to yet another encouraging and entertaining episode of the Mission Mill Spouse podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. It's almost hard to believe, but this is episode 992. I'm Lindsay Ralph, your Deputy Director of Marketing, and I'm grateful you chose to join us today. Have your headphones in or your volume turned up and get ready for your weekly lineup of military life empowerment. On today's show, we'll listen to an interview conducted by Kathleen Palmer our director of content, as she chats with Julie Eshelman, a military spouse who uses her personal experience through infertility to advocate for infertility treatments within the military community and founder of Building Military Families Network. Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. I'm Morgan, your Mission Mill Spouse content curator. We're so grateful to continue the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, now rebranded and expanded to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. That's right. You have a seat at our mill spouse table. So pull up a chair and let's get the conversation started. It is a privilege to share this week's podcast partner, Defenders Gateway. You can connect with them online at defendersgateway.com or download their app on the Google Play or Apple Store. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Defenders Gateway, for your generous financial support. As an all-volunteer-powered 501c3 organization, we invite individuals and businesses to support us in our mission, helping military spouses to feel confident and empowered in this military life. Please go to missionmillspouse.org to contribute or email partner at missionmillspouse.org to discuss our extensive partnership program. Thank you for your support. Now, before we get any further with today's show, let's catch up, Morgan. What's written in pencil on your mill spouse calendar this week? So we just finished our second PCS ever, um, kind of claim it as our first, because the first time we moved, we had nothing to move. Um, So this was a new experience for us. Um, We have about a month of leave. So we just got back from a trip to Florida to visit family. And we're in Virginia for the weekend, and we will be going to Indiana to visit more family. Um, So it's been crazy and wonderful catching up with everyone and finally being back on the East Coast, closer to family. Well, I am so happy for you that you are closer to family. For all of our listeners out there, Morgan was actually stationed at my current duty station, um, which she just moved from to now be Uh, like she said, on the East Coast, closer to family. So as happy as I am that she uh, is there and getting reunited with her community, we definitely miss her here. So sending her off and um, helping her pack and get ready for this first, as they call it, PCS, um, was a blessing, but also sad and part of the military life that is also really hard. But I'm so glad to hear of all your travels and that you guys have settled in nicely so far. Matt and I, my husband and I, uh, ourselves just got back from his summer block leave. We were super excited. He got about two weeks. So we went back to our hometown in California 
we had all these plans. We were super excited. One week we were going to a family camp together, which is a family tradition of ours. And then uh, the second week, we were actually going to go on a little getaway, just my husband and I, and my parents were going to watch our son, which is uh, not something we get very often where we're stationed. We don't have family around. And the second week that we were going to go on our little getaway, our son unfortunately got sick. So um, our plans got canceled. And at first I was super bummed because um, I was like, this is his summer block leave, like our, you know, one major vacation of the year. Uh, but we pivoted, which I think is the uh, the main thing that we do as military spouses all the time anyways. And we decided to make the most of the new situation. And we had a really nice time still hanging out with friends and family. And my parents were really sweet to watch our son as much as possible during the day so we could do date nights and then when or date days and when he fell asleep, do date nights. So um, we had a nice summer block leave together, but definitely not what we thought it would look like. I totally, I think that in military life, that's one of the biggest thing. Like if I were to ever give anyone advice is that you always have to make the most of changed plans. Otherwise you're going to be very miserable, but I'm glad you guys still had a really great time. Right. Thank you. We did. And yep, I definitely feel the military spouse life has taught me how to pivot, how to readjust, how to, you might have, you know, have expectations for what you wanted something to look like, and then it doesn't look like that. Um, and I'll actually be doing a mini podcast upcoming in the next couple of weeks, kind of touching on it. Um, and so listeners be on the lookout for that, but I'll be talking about, uh, going through seasons of sickness, uh, as a family and what we can kind of do to be resilient and, have that kind of attitude of plans change and things don't go as we would like, but uh, make the most of it anyway. So be on the lookout for that. Our command team combos are always such a great way to experience that solidarity that so many of us desire. It feels really good to chat with others who just get it. Now let's focus on this week's main interview with Julie Eshelman, founder of Building Military Families Network and Infertility Treatment Advocate. Mission Mill Spouse, formerly known as Army Wife Network, is continuing our exceptional and long-standing legacy. Now serving all spouses of all branches, we are the longest-running military spouse podcast currently broadcasting our 18th season. In fact, we will break 1,000 episodes in 2023. Don't miss an installment. Subscribe on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or catch our twice-weekly podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Remember, we've been there. You aren't alone. We've got your six. Welcome Mission Mill Spouse podcast listeners. I'm Kathleen Palmer, your director of content here at Mission Mill Spouse, and I'm excited to be bringing you today's episode full of information to empower and enlighten you. Today's guest is Julie Eshelman, a military spouse who uses her journey with infertility to bring awareness to and advocate for fertility treatment coverage within the military community. Julie is the founder of Building Military Families Network, a fairly new nonprofit with a mission to provide an empowering and supportive network as a beacon of hope to military and veteran families navigating the challenges in the family building process. She was named the 2022 Fort Leavenworth Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year for her awareness, advocacy, 
and leadership in infertility and military family building. Julie, welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we're so excited that you're here, and we know that this issue is a very, very personal and also will be to our listeners. And so we'd just like to start, maybe maybe you can share with our community um, about your infertility journey. Sure. Um, so my husband and I were married in 2015, um, and we naively decided um, that we wanted to wait a year and have, you know, enjoy our first year of marriage without any you know, pressures or anything like that. And so we started um, to try to conceive um, in 2016. And after about six months, you know, I really was starting to feel like inadequate because we hadn't gotten pregnant yet. And, you know, we continued on. And when we hit that one year mark, I was like, okay, there really has to be something wrong. And so we started the process, you know, I went to my gynecologist we were stationed at Fort Lewis at the time. Um, and so I was on base and, you know, they told me that they could refer me to the fertility clinic on base, but that they had like a year long wait. And I was like, well, we're moving. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were getting restationed um, down in Arizona. My husband was taking on comp a company command position. Um, and so we moved to Arizona. And so that was the summer of 2017. Um, by the time we got set up with all of our doctors and everything, and I finally got an appointment with a gynecologist and could get an exam and all that, um, it was already time for him to deploy. And so we're already into 2018 and we didn't really get anywhere. Um, and, you know, that was a mistake for me, you know, not knowing how to advocate, um, for the care that I knew I needed. Um, but, you know, he deployed. Um, I got on the wait list for a fertility clinic down in Arizona and I started the testing. Um, I had one of my first diagnostic tests on my birthday, um, oh which is not fun. Um, if you're listening, you know that some of those diagnostic tests are very painful and um, uncomfortable and awkward. Um, not a fun thing to do on your birthday, but when that's the only appointment available, yeah, take it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, not fun at all. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and so, you know, they did all the testing. Um, they couldn't find anything. We kind of came up with a tentative plan. And then when my husband came back in spring of 19 from his deployment, he got all his testing done. Um, and, you know, we came up with, you know, what we were going to do. And so we did an IUI. Um, and around that same time, we got um, word that we were moving on a short notice PCS um, from Arizona to Illinois. Um, and, um, you know, we then found out that we were that our IUI was successful, um, except it ended in a miscarriage during our move. Oh, I'm so sorry. Which, yeah, I mean, it sucked. Um, double sucked. <laughs> That uh, we were in the middle of moving and we're in a strange city and then had to continue driving because that's life. Uh, what you do. Yeah. That's what you do. Um, and then it took a really long time to get my follow-up care, you know, because we were switching from east to west or from west to east um, as far as the TRICARE networks. And there were a lot of hurdles and I wasn't able to get follow-up care until almost like 35 days after the miscarriage. Uh -huh. Um, which is a whole nother issue. Um, 
you know, then we had to start all over again. We had to get new primary care doctors, a new gynecologist, new referrals, new wait times. Um, and then we did another IUI um, that was successful again. Um, you know, I could get pregnant, had a lot of anxiety um, going into that. You know, we were finally able to see the heartbeat. We got released from the clinic um, only to find out that I had a missed miscarriage um, when I went to my first OB appointment. Um, and wow. of course, that fell on drill, drill weekend. Um, and thankfully, you know, the unit was very supportive and let my husband be home for the weekend. And they were very, they were a very um, understanding group um, and supportive of our situation, um, which was nice. Um, and then we did our third IUI in January of 2020. Um, and that resulted in a miscarriage while my husband was TDY. Wow, miscarriage is during some kind of military. Um, <laughs> of course they are. Yes. Of course yeah. they are. That's yeah. just how it rolls. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, our course of action was three IUIs and then we would move to IVF. Well, we weren't able to get an IVF consult until um, like May you know, so we're in, you know, February timeframe at this point, And we're like, okay, we'll do, let's just do one more IUI while we wait for our IVF consult. And two days before we were to go in for the procedure, COVID happened and they shut down everything. The whole world shut down basically. Um, Gosh. And so, so what year, this is, this is, so obviously this is 2020. So this is like, yep. Yeah, okay. This, this is March, March, 2020. We were getting ready to do our fourth IUI and, and the so world shut down. And this, so that you're looking at almost on year four and a half of, of this trying, you're trying to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, we did the IVF consult, um, but we had to wait for everything to open back up. Um, and that finally came um, and we did our egg retrieval in July of 2020. Um, and then we were able to do a transfer, an, an embryo transfer in October. And we now have a beautiful, rambunctious, strong-willed <laughs> toddler. Um, and she is perfect. Um, and she has moved. She's living in her third house and she just turned two a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, so congratulations. she, yeah, so we moved to Kansas, um, when she was a newborn um, and then we were only there for 10 months and then we moved here to Pennsylvania and we are still on our journey. Um, we are in the process, a painstakingly long process of trying to transfer our embryos from Illinois to our clinic in Pennsylvania. Um, we are on like month seven of this process and I am getting a little frustrated with it. Um, and there's, I mean, there's gotta be an easier way to do this. Um, Is it a legal like state, state line issue or? Um, no, it's the clinic, um, dragging their feet. Um, I think, and being inefficient, I don't, I don't really know. Um, but it's really, it's a really frustrating process, um, because they want me to be the go between, between the two clinics. And I'm like, I don't speak clinic talk. (laughs) Like, why don't you two talk to each other? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So this is like your next step then is going to be, you know, you're going to, to try again, IVF again, correct? Yeah. Um, we, we, you know, we 
are are blessed with our daughter. Um, but, you know, we have always wanted two children. Um, and we're really hoping that we will be able to get, um, a, you know, a successful transfer um, done before it's time for us to move next summer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, of course. And, you know, it's it's quite a story. And I mean, just the fact that I, first of all, I have to go back and I say I love your statement about that. You naively thought it'd be great to be married a year before we have children. And it's not really naive because that really is such an important time as a couple. So I can. Yeah, but, I, but looking back on it, I'm like, man, we yeah. wasted a year. Yes. <laughs> and now you, you see that thing, too. But it's like so you weren't naive. I think you were in the moment. But when you said the when you said deployment, like when you started your story and then you're like and then deployment, it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to all unravel right right now. Oh yeah. I mean, of course there's, I mean, and, and that's, you know, for those that might be listening that, you know, don't have infertility, you know, separations like deployments and trainings and those kinds of things, they interfere with our, our, you know, schedules and plans to build our and grow our families. Um, It's not just those of us that are struggling with infertility that face challenges in building our families. And then you throw COVID in there, which again, I wasn't really oh. expecting that, but I don't know why I wasn't expecting it because it was like, I'm look, I'm writing dates down as you're going. I'm like, and you were right there in the middle of COVID for your next hurdle. And I, and I never thought about that too, but like so many things got halted during COVID that of course, infertility processes and, and trying to people building their families, of course that would have got halted as well. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it was, I mean... I mean, we knew, I mean, and in the beginning, you know, none of us really knew what COVID was. And so it was like heartbreaking, but at the same time, we were like, well, this, you know, it's probably good that they're not open and, and doing these procedures. Oh, but still the heartbreak. Well, okay. So now that you've had some time to reflect on it and you've got your beautiful daughter that you can see as a testament to your hard work, what have you learned about yourself, about Julie during this whole journey that you've taken? Um. I think that I am just incredibly strong because I've had to pick myself back up. I've had to, you know, my husband and I have had to have really hard conversations. I mean, the infertility process, you have to have a lot of hard questions. I mean, but as military families, you know, we're used to having those hard conversations. We have to have hard conversations and go through you know, uncomfortable documents before deployments and things like that. Um, you know, the family building, you know, going through IVF is, is very similar. You also kind of sign your life away like you do when you buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. so much paperwork. Um, it's ridiculous sometimes. You know, I'm strong and I was able to take all of that sadness and heartbreak and, I mean, and even the feelings that I wasn't enough and I was able to channel all of that into doing good and to helping other people and giving hope to other people. And so I think that's kind of what I learned. And I, and I, you know, I'll share this because it's public, it's on your LinkedIn page, but you have a great quote at the top of your page. It says, you'll never be successful until you turn your pain into greatness. I'm not really sure who said it, but that I really feel like that you are really living that mantra with what you're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So you're a strong woman. I couldn't totally tell that. But where did you turn for support when you needed it? You know, honestly, um, there really wasn't anywhere to turn. 
Um, and that I think was one of the things that I found to be the most frustrating. I mean, I talked to, you know, friends, honestly, we didn't really open up about our struggles until our second miscarriage when I needed to have a DNC done, um, up until that point. So that was up until 2019, we hadn't really told our family, um, or a lot of our friends. And so there were just certain people that I did talk to, but none of them had really experienced it themselves. So, you know, they really couldn't offer the support that I needed. And I kept looking for it and looking for it and looking for it. And it was during COVID that I found Resolve. Um, they are a nonprofit. They have their federal advocacy day every year where they are lobbying um, and meeting with legislative representatives from all 50 states um, and talking about pro-family legislation. And their advocacy day switched from being in person in Washington, D.C. to being a virtual. Um, and so when I found like I, I saw a post on social media about their event and then I found that they had support groups but they didn't have any military support groups and they didn't have any groups in our area, which was Illinois at the time that I could go to. So like I, you know, I found them and they had some resources, but there still wasn't anything. If that makes sense. No, it does. And so resolve is kind of where you're, that was the first time you saw a place where you could not only get some support, but maybe offer help for people in our situation in the military community. Yeah, it was. And it was like, a happy accident that I even found them. <laughs> and I don't know if we have anything on Resolve in the show notes, but um, is it just resolve.com? Is that the website for Resolve if anybody's listening and wants to go check that out? Um, uh, it's resolve.org. .org, okay. Mm-hmm. We'll get that into the show notes too so people can, can look at that as well. Um, so you went from finding somewhere and then realizing a need. So why did you turn, you know, looking for support, why did you turn to being an advocate? it was really an outlet. Um, and I was able to, you know, and I, I signed up to participate in their, in their federal advocacy day in 2020. And I got to share a little bit of my story and advocate on behalf of our military and veteran communities and tell members of Congress and their staff, like, Hey, TRICARE doesn't cover this. It -hmm. should cover this. Um, and you know, they advocate for access to care for everybody. Um, but there were also, there are also military and veteran specific bills. And that was of course, um, where they saw me, um, best to speak on. And it's really kind of changed the trajectory trajectory of my life. Honestly, I never in a million years thought I would ever share my story and be open about it, let alone become such an advocate, but I love it because it gives a voice to the 67% of military and veteran connected families that struggle to build their families because we need a voice. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And if you have, if there are other people out there, especially listening to this podcast, I mean, what would you recommend they do as far as getting into advocacy for this issue? I mean, an advocacy look, you know, can look different depending on your, what your level of comfort is. You know, for me at first, advocacy looked more like just raising awareness and openly sharing my story. By doing that, I had other people on my social media 
from like friends from high school um, and friends from college that were like, you know, me too. And I began to see that it wasn't alone in my miscarriages and I wasn't alone in my infertility. That I think fueled my desire to really advocate for that change because I'm frustrated that TRICARE doesn't cover this because it is expensive. My husband and I have sacrificed so much over, you know, these last years, you know, we were a one car family. We like haven't gone on a real vacation (laughs) in forever. Um, And, you know, we've done all that and I would do it all again to have my daughter, like, don't get me wrong, but we shouldn't have to when it's affordable for TRICARE to cover it. When I think too that like it in our in our community, it also is such a frustration point. I mean, you went from Washington to Arizona to Illinois to Kansas to Pennsylvania with your, you know, with dealing with this and with trying to build your family. And so that's one thing our community is unique on is that we, mm-hmm. you know, we get so frustrated. And I'm sure there are people who just give up. Yeah. I mean, and and honestly, um, when I had to get this new round of diagnostics done at my new clinic here in Pennsylvania. Um, one of the the technicians, like I had to drive an hour and a half to even go get this procedure done. Um, but I had the the technician that was performing it. She's like, so like this is I'm like, honey, this is my third one. And she's like, oh God, why have you had to have this done th- like three times? Like, and I'm like, um, because we're military and we move and every clinic wants me to have this procedure done instead of just looking at the results in my chart. Oh God, it's so frustrating. And that's, that's across the board on different things, but this issue especially is so frustrating. I mean, and they're not, and they're not cheap diagnostic tests and, and it's just, it's, it's frustrating. And just to be able to, you, we haven't, we have enough that's on our plates as military families to have to start this process over every time you move when it's already a stressful process to begin with but you have to start over, you're still paying out of pocket is just, is something that I don't think our lawmakers understand. Our lawmakers sometimes understand military life and sometimes they understand family building struggles, but it's, they usually don't ever understand both. <laughs> no, that, that's so, a, Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. And so who else is better to share our struggles than ourselves? You know, if we want, you know, having civilians advocate for our military and veteran community on this issue is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily understand what we're going through and can't relay our needs and our frustrations without our stories. And so that's why I think advocacy is so important. And I think that's a huge part of why I'm doing this and why I continue to do it. Well, Julie, your infertility story is so inspiring and I know it was difficult to tell and it doesn't get easier each time you tell it, but thank you for sharing with us. Your courage to advocate for a subject that can be extremely sensitive for others is really courageous. It sounds like you're working hard to bring awareness to infertility within our community. And listeners, if you would like to learn more about Building Military Families Network, you can find them online through multiple platforms. You also can connect with them on Facebook using their handle, Building Military Families Network, or on Instagram at Building Military Families Net. 
And don't worry, as always, all of these things will be in the show notes. You can link directly from there. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Julie and the mission of building Military Families Network after this commercial break. Our sponsor is Defenders Gateway, a St. Louis-based company who is building the Defenders Network, a national network of support for all defenders and their families. Whether you're an active military, veteran, or first responder family, many of you have experienced long hours, family separations, missed birthdays, or special occasions. Perhaps you've experienced the trauma of violence, death, or serious injury. You have answered your nation's call. Defenders Gateway's mission is to serve and support you by growing a relevant resource hub, providing easy access to nonprofits, businesses honoring you with savings, health and wellness resources, transition and educational programs, job listings, and career opportunities. Activate your virtual ID in the app. Download today as thousands more resources are coming, including the new Defenders Gateway chat and Kits Corner. Find the Defenders Gateway app at Google Play Store or Apple Play Store. Our mission is to globally empower military spouses with resources and support to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Whether you are an individual, a Fortune 500 company, or somewhere in between, join us on our mission. Make your tax-deductible contribution at missionmillspouse.org, or if you're a business interested in sharing your product or services with our more than 100,000 followers, email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Military spouses around the world, thank you for your support. Welcome back, listeners. We're continuing our conversation with Julie Eshelman, founder of Building Military Families Network. All right, we're going to jump back into the conversation. And why did you start this? Um, I think I think you started a peer-led support group um, that was military-connected. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about that, Julie? Yeah. Um, so after getting involved um, with Resolve and their Advocacy Day and learning more about their organization, I decided to start a military-connected peer-led support group as a part of their like network. One of the things that I was really frustrated when I first found Resolve was that they didn't have a military group. They had all the, you know, they had resources and information that were helpful for military families, but they didn't have a support group for us. And I was like, okay, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Somebody needs to start this. Um, and so I'm going to do it. I wish I would have started it um, maybe a year sooner than I did. But with two moves in 11 months, it just wasn't happening. <laughs> you had a lot on your plate. <laughs> we had a lot. Yeah, we had a lot on our plate. We had a newborn. Um, but it was definitely something that was like on my heart that I really wanted to do because it was something that I would have found so helpful when I first was starting out on this journey. And even and even now, you know, leading the group is helpful for me to still have people to talk to about my frustrations with my current situation. And it, you know, it really just came from a desire to really want to serve our community in an area where they're not being served. 
Um, and so the participants now that are in your peer led group, or do you have any feedback or you're getting any, um, you know, anything back from them that about the group and how it's helping? You know, uh, when somebody joins our group um, and they get on our, our meeting for like the first time, usually the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, oh my gosh, I have been looking for a group like this or, you know, I have been needing a group like this, you know, that is kind of the overwhelming consensus of the participants in our group is that this is something that they have been needing and have been wanting. And they are so glad that they saw, you know, our, our infographic shared in a group or however they stumbled upon us. Um, They're just so thankful that it's there. Oh, yeah. And I think when you're in a struggle, I know that when we we adopted our children out of foster care, and I know that even in 2007, when we were going through it, I mean, my head was down, like I was focused on what we were doing and the struggles we were going through. And I never even once thought to look up and say, hey, is anybody else in the military community going through this? Because you feel like you're on an island when you're when you're going through something so personal. So I imagine that group was well received and much needed. And, know, and for- I mean, and we have very unique struggles and situations that we face as military and veteran families that our civilian, you know, peers just don't understand. I mean, if I were to go to one of the other resolve support groups that are, you know, offered online, you know, and I'm start talking about like, you know, I'm at like my third clinic in my third state, they'd look at me like I was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't understand that or they don't, you you know, there's, you know, they don't understand the deployments and, you know, what the different things that we experience, you know, ugh, for there was like a six month period where my husband was TDY every time I was in the window and there yes. was nothing I could do about it. <laughs> you know, like, have you ever seen that show? This is us. It's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love how the doctor that helped her with the triplets like stays in her life for 25 years. And I laugh when I think about that as a military family. Like, do you even remember what your doctor's name was? You know, like 15 I don't even know what my doctor's name was from my last duty station. <laughs> I'm not even sure I know my doctor's name now. I mean, I think I think he pretty much gave advice and babysat for him. And I'm like, we, we're trying to remember what the name of our clinic was like, you know, two duty stations ago. It's so crazy. Um I bet. Well, Resolve is very lucky that they have you spearheading that and and developing that for our community. So since you are already doing so many things, I do want to shift gears and talk about you are starting a new nonprofit. Um, So I was maybe hoping you talk to a little bit about that and how it's going to benefit our community. Yeah. um, And so, you know, all of this work that I've been doing, you know, in my personal life, um, in raising awareness and as a volunteer advocate with Resolve has really changed trajectory of my life. I mean, I never in a million years thought I would start a nonprofit. Um, Never, you know, when I first started out on this journey, you know, I didn't think I would ever share about it publicly or do anything. Um, But getting involved and, and advocating and sharing my story and, you know, living, you know, in a community where I didn't feel like there was support for the things that I was going through have all kind of fueled and led me to this point where let's start something. Mm -hmm. There isn't anything. Let's start something. Um, Because, you know, there isn't really an organization that is out there providing support um, and helping to educate our military and veteran families that are struggling this with this 
on, you know, kind of what their options are or, you know, what's available to them or how to go about it. You know, the things you don't know you should, that you don't know to be asking, right? Like there's so many different things. And, you know, I really want building military families network to be a place where our military and veteran families that are struggling to build and grow their families can turn to for support, for resources, for community, so that they can feel and recognize that they're not alone in what they're going through, that they have someone to lean on, and they have a place to get trusted information. You know, there are dozens of Facebook groups, but when I see people ask a question in there, they might get a hundred different answers. Mm -hmm. And so when you're the poster, you don't know what answers are correct. Right. Um, And going to the TRICARE website is super confusing. Um, And so taking all of that information and providing one space where people can come to get the information they need, get the support that they need, find a community to help them get through this is really what I hope my organization will be for our community. And I know you're in the building stages of it now and you're doing all the things which are not fun either, but you're you're very good with paperwork. So that is a plus. Yes. Uh, so they, <laughs> um, but are you hoping to have uh, other than, you know, you know, certified resources and um, are you going to have chat groups or podcasts or blogging or what 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 things do you think you see in the network? Yeah, I mean, so to start, you know, we're going to have um, our support groups. Mm-hmm. Um, we will probably have an online community of some sort. Um, where that will be is still to be determined. Um, and then, you know, our website will be kind of our our resource center um, where they can find either information or they can find the links to where they can find the most accurate information. You know, and then once we kind of have all that kind of launched, we do want to expand to doing some kind of regular webinar or something like that. Um, and then there's some cool things up my sleeve that I'm not going to discuss just That's yet. That's okay. <laughs> um, but um, let's just say there's nobody else out there doing it. Um, so it'll be cool. That's and awesome. It'll be a great way for people to um, really have their family be able to learn and understand um, about what they're going through too. We're not just educational materials for military and veteran families going through these struggles, but for their support, their supporters to be able to find more information and learn more about, you know, infertility and what adoption looks like and surrogacy and all of those things. Oh, I think that's wonderful because sometimes people don't know how to help when they see people they love struggling. And so that will be great for them to maybe find ways that they can support or help that, you know, will make them feel comfortable too. So that's great. And I know you're up in the early stages and stuff, but so talk to our listeners about where they can find information about the network or, you know, or to donate or to help or in any way. Um, so right now um, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, And so those are going to be the places, you know, once we have our website, you know, that's where they will be able to find our website information. Um, We're also on LinkedIn. Um, And so that's, you know, where most of our information is at this point. Um, And once we have more, it'll all be connected to all of our social platforms. 
Okay, that's great. And we're going to put on that in the show notes and stuff too, so people can link there. I also want to throw out to our listeners, uh, you might have recognized Julie because she does blog for us occasionally, and she's a beautiful writer, and you can go to Mission Mill Spouse as well to read some of her past blogs about this topic and some other ones. And as we wrap up our conversation, Julie, we ask one question of all our guests, and it is, what is one piece of advice you would give our listeners to navigate military life with respect to your area of expertise? Oh, that's, you know, that's really tough. Um, I feel like I've offered um, a lot, um, but I think the biggest piece of advice um, is to just know that you're not going through this alone. Um, There are people that understand this journey um, and that are here to support you, um, whether it, you know, you find them um, at your installation, um, online, or you know, through one of our support groups, you know, there you don't have to do this alone. I think that's 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 wonderful, and I think that is probably the best part of military life, anyway. As a spouse, is that mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're alone. So, Julie, it's been a pleasure to have you joining me here today, and thank you for sharing more about your story. I know that can't be easy, um, and also about your new your new um, nonprofit, Building Military Families Network. And we're excited to stay in touch with you about that and to help you um, in any way we can. And as always, we thank you for serving our community in so many ways and for bringing light to subjects that are often really difficult to talk about. So thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, it's, you know, an honor to be able to share my story any chance I can. Um, You know, my goal is to always, you know, provide that, that hope for just one person um, that, you know, there, there is somebody that understands it there. You're not the only one going through this or the only one having a really rough, you know, card (laughs) dealt to you. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And if you guys are just tuning in, you can always catch more of this, but um, today's guest military infertility advocate, Julie Eshelman. We wish you all the best as you work to advocate for fertility treatment coverage within our military community. And now we're going back to our hosts. Thank you to Julie for joining us on the Mission Millspouse podcast. Again, if you want to connect with Julie, you can connect with her on Facebook using her handle Building Military Families Network and on Instagram at Building Military Families Net. If you are looking for support and would like to be involved in the Resolve Military Connected Peer-Led Support Group, you can head over to their website at www.resolve.org. Okay, Morgan, so this was very empowering And it can also be a very sensitive and personal topic for a lot of male spouses out there. So let's recap together. What were your top three moments from this interview? Uh, So my husband and I, we are experiencing a similar journey of infertility. Um, I really related to a lot of the points that she made um, where she kind of brought up how the military life doesn't always work with our plans for starting and growing a family. Um, When we first got married, my husband and I also decided to wait a year before we got pregnant. And then right at that year mark, he was sent on a rotation to Korea, which pushed our family planning back. Um, And then one of the other things that really encouraged me was the strength that she found during her uh, journey through infertility and 
how she was able to take that pain and uh, disappointment and all those emotions and turn it around to share her story, be a help and encouragement to others in a similar boat. It's difficult in military life finding people who are going through similar uh, life experiences. Me personally, I had a hard time finding the support that I needed. I have friends who also struggle with infertility and I'd reach out to them, but they don't know what it's like to try to navigate fertility treatments and medical care while using TRICARE. And so they would give the encouragement that they could, but it was not the same. And so it was just really awesome to just listen to her story. Um, And I feel super encouraged and I'm really looking forward to checking out building military families network um, and connecting with them there. Yeah, that's something I love about Mission Mill Spouse so much is, you know, the focus that we have on building that solidarity that we are here to support one another and that there have been other people that have walked through some of the hardest seasons that we may be currently walking through. And Julie herself actually said a really interesting statistic. She had said actually 67% of military and veteran connected families struggle with building their families. And that just like blew me away because I know one of the biggest struggles with infertility is feeling alone and feeling and just feeling like even if, like you said, other people might understand like or have struggled with infertility in one degree or another. It's like every situation is so unique and that can feel isolating. And so to know 67 percent, I just feel like that was so encouraging of as far as even if someone feels alone, you're not alone. And even if your story doesn't look exactly the same, you know, struggle for struggle and trying to do the same solutions that you do have solidarity. And we do have a community that is walking these same hard struggles. Um, And then she also includes some people listening to this podcast might not even be personally struggling or maybe have even ever struggled with infertility, but she made a really cool point too, when she said that, it's not just a struggle with infertility, but for people trying to build a family. Um, and that can also be really hard with TRICARE. Obviously, this focus and her whole mission and heart is for infertility. But I really appreciated that she also acknowledged that because there's other families that maybe have built a family but are struggling with um, special needs or struggling with really severe medical health issues for their children. And it's just a hard journey in general. And then adding the military spouse um, lifestyle and healthcare coverage is additionally hard. And so I just think she has such a beautiful heart and what her organization is doing is really making big waves in this field of family building. I just was so, so challenged by her strength And the last thing kind of with that is she had even said, you know, she has to channel all the pain to help other people. And Mm -hmm. Kathleen had brought up the quote on her LinkedIn where she said, you'll never be successful until you turn your pain into greatness. And that just sums up how the infertility journey is filled with so much pain and heartbreak. And it can feel so like we've talked about isolating But when we channel that pain and turn it into greatness, that's when our stories don't become, you know, just about 
the struggles that we're facing, but now we're helping communities and walking along so many other families on this same journey. So that just touched my heart so much. Always such good information coming to us from our podcast guests. Let's keep those good vibes going with this week's resource recon. Our sit rep, which stands for situation report, otherwise known as email newsletter. It's your one-stop shop for all things military spouse empowerment, resources, news, humor, and freebies. Make sure to subscribe right now to get your copy of our next edition. You can subscribe on our website's homepage. All you have to do is enter your email and you're in. You'll even get an awesome freebie right away to celebrate you joining the SITREP family. The SITREP is near and dear to my heart as before my current role as the Deputy Director of Marketing, I was the content curator. And so I know firsthand how much love and creativity go into each edition. Plus, as mentioned, there's always some incredible freebies like at the beginning of summer where we featured a delicious recipe for some blackberry lemonade to help kick off your summer right. But remember, we don't just offer tangible resources to help you navigate your military spouse life. We also provide insight and encouragement for your mill spouse heart. Let's hear from our trifecta of mill spouse awesomeness. Here's Amanda, Amy, and Emma. We here at Mission Mill Spouse never doubt the strength of our military spouse tribe. Here is our Director of Empowerment with this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. This is your Director of Empowerment, Amanda Bickneys, bringing you this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Today we are spotlighting our MRE team winner, and by the way, MRE stands for Motivated and Ready to Empower, Sarah Robichaud. Sarah serves as Mission Mill Spouse's Director of Administration. She is a Maryland native who married her husband, Andrew, back in 2012. Since then, she's had the opportunity to live in Georgia twice, Germany, Texas, Virginia, and now Michigan. Sarah holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in marriage and family counseling. She has been a part of Mission Millspouse for almost three years and has been a follower of the blog and podcast for much longer, dating back to her early years as a newbie Millspouse. As someone with no prior military knowledge, Sarah used Mission Mill Spouse's resources to learn how to navigate this crazy world that she, quote, signed up for. Today, it is her passion to provide those resources to others. She also moonlights as a social media director for a virtual marketing company. Sarah is rocking the work from home life while raising two amazing children, Emily and Logan, and two fluffy dogs. In her free time, she enjoys running, reading, puzzling, and taking naps. She is also an avid traveler who most likely has her next three vacations already mapped out. Sarah, we thank you so much for your service and honoring our mission and for doing your part to empower military families all across the globe. Until next time, I'm Amanda Bickneys reminding you, empowered spouses empower spouses. Unlike our calendar plans, our commitment to serve military spouses is written in ink. Now continuing our 18-year legacy is Mission Mill Spouse Deputy Director of Empowerment with this week's Moxie Minute. Hey there, Mission Mill Spouse friends. Amy Fisher here with this week's Moxie Minute. And it's another minute brought to you by a fellow Army spouse who's just living life the best she can. And I love being able to share these posts. I see them online sometimes and you see somebody saying there's something really good and inspirational or 
like, yeah, that's just a really good point. And they're making it through this. I can do it too. And so to me, that's a little bit of moxie and being able to share that truth. So I can jump on and say, Hey, do you mind if I share this with our fellow spouses? Because I think it would be great for them to hear it. So with permission from Marie, I'm going to read to you her post. Just wanted to take a moment to post that it's okay if you don't love where you're at and to hang on because eventually something will happen that will give you hope. Our current duty station, which will remain unnamed, is not one that we have loved. It has been a trying time for me personally as well as for my husband. Our relationship has had to evolve here, and that has not been easy after 15 years together and 10 years married. The people here and the fact that I have an on-post hobby are the saving grace for me. But even then, sometimes it still sucks a lot. And sometimes I am real, still really unfulfilled here despite doing everything one can do to change that. However, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary this weekend and drove three hours to the coast and I feel renewed. It was the glimmer of hope we have been waiting for, for almost two years. It was the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's giving us something to work towards instead of distracting ourselves from. We have a goal and are now actively working towards to position ourselves to live at the coast. It doesn't change the fact that I still don't love it where we are stationed, despite really trying hard to, but it has given our family something to strive to get to after leaving here. If working towards the next thing is the best thing that you can do, that's perfectly acceptable. And I just wanted to make sure that that was written somewhere for those who may be feeling the same way wherever you are. Marie, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing that post as somebody who's been in places that I've not loved, even though I've tried. And so I know that there are others out there that really appreciate this sentiment as well. So thank you for sharing. Until next time, spouses, do your best. Try to make it work. And like Marie said, if not, then try to find the next thing that you're looking forward to. And until next time, Moxie up. No news is typically good news in this military life, except on the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Here is our News 6 correspondent with this week's top stories. Howdy, y'all, and buckle up for this week's News 6 update. Unicycling for Wounded Warriors. Luke Oakley, an Air Force veteran, recently completed a grueling seven-week road trip on an interesting set of wheel, singular, a unicycle. He started in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina and ended in Venice Beach, California by the Santa Monica Pier. His mission was to raise funds and awareness to a cause near and dear to his heart, the Wounded Warrior Project. At the time of arrival, he had raised $2,100 on his GoFundMe page. His journey was approximately 3,000 miles, and he was helped by 20 military veteran families along the route who offered him lodging and a charger for his unicycle. He tracked approximately 80 miles a day. When asked by KTBS News what inspired his charitable motivations, he said, I was fortunate to not be in a situation where I was deployed. However, others were not. I feel like it's important to help and support them any way we can. You can still donate to his GoFundMe at gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash cross dash country dash trip dash on dash and dash electric dash unicycle and help him get to his goal of $5,000. Well, I'm more of a car gal myself. If your mode of transportation leads to benefiting our veterans, it's a good way to travel. Find out more at ktbs.com. 
Soldier receives rare award after saving woman from assault. U.S. Army Specialist Rene J. Rodriguez received the Soldier's Medal Award on July 19th in Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. This award is the highest one a soldier can receive during peacetime. His medal citation says, for heroism involving voluntary risk of life, not involving conflict with an armed enemy while serving with the 2nd Battalion, 35th Infantry Regiment, 3rd Brigade Combat Team, 25th Infantry Division, Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. On October 20th, 2022, in the vicinity of Wahoo, Hawaii, Specialist Rene J. Rodriguez, with complete disregard for his own safety, swiftly moved to protect a woman enduring a violent assault. Recognizing the woman's risk of serious injury or death, Specialist Rodriguez, with no regard for himself, moved through a crowd of bystanders, observing the assault and intentionally positioned himself between the victim and the attacker. Using his body as a shield, he endured numerous strikes from the assailant while moving the woman into his vehicle in an attempt to depart the scene. He continued to protect the woman until law enforcement arrived at the scene. Absent specialist Rodriguez's selfless act, despite great danger to himself, the victim may have been grievously injured or killed. By his demonstrated heroism and gallantry in risking his life to save another, specialist Rodriguez's actions reflect great credit upon himself the 25th Infantry Division, and the United States Army. He quietly went on his way after this grueling event, but a witness on scene reported his bravery to his chain of command. Without question, Specialist Rodriguez risked his life to save the life of another, said U.S. Army Colonel Robert Shaw, the 3rd Infantry Brigade Combat Team, 25th Infantry Division Commander. Specialist Rodriguez did what was right, helping a Hawaiian woman he didn't know. There were others there that day who did not act, but Rene Rodriguez did. At receiving the award, Rodriguez said, This honor is a testament to the bravery and sacrifice displayed by soldiers who have come before me, as well as those who serve alongside me, said Rodriguez. Receiving the Soldier's Medal is a humbling experience that reminds me of the values we hold dear as soldiers. Courage, selflessness, and dedication to the greater good. Way to go, Specialist Rodriguez. Your willingness to lay down your life and safety for a stranger is at the core of Army values. Your future is bright. Malahu for your service. Find out more at dvidshub.net. The Airborne Chorus's Got Talent. If you were tuning in to America's Got Talent on July 11th, you may have recognized a familiar sight to many of us. A chorus of military members, looking spiffy in their uniforms, took the stage to entertain and honor their own. They were the 82nd Airborne Chorus out of Fort Liberty, North Carolina, and they represent the 19,000 soldiers they call at home. The song they chose? My Girl by The Temptations. It's sort of an homage to the chorus of the past, specialist Oscar Roldan, who was a soloist in the performance, told Military Times. Our brothers and sisters of the past chorus have always done this piece. It's something we're very good at, and it's a way to pay tribute to those that came before us. They dedicated the performance to specialist Elijah Crawford, a fellow chorus member who died a week before they auditioned. The chorus received all four positive votes from the judges and are off to the next round. Congrats to the 82nd Airborne Chorus. We can't wait to watch your journey to fame and glory and hope you make it all the way. You get it? The motto? No. 
Anyway, find out more at militarytimes.com. Today in history, on July 24, 1897, Amelia Earhart was born in Atchison, Kansas. She would disappear almost exactly 40 years later in one of those puzzling aviary mysteries to date. Amelia was the first female aviator to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean, doing so in 1932 and earning the United States Distinguished Flying Cross. She was also a founding member of the 99s, which is to this day a club for female aviators. She broke many other records and put female aviation in the history books. She also taught at Purdue University and was the author of several books. In 1937, during an attempt to become the first woman to circumnavigate the globe, she and navigator Fred Noonan disappeared over the Pacific Ocean by Howland Island. They were last seen in New Guinea. Her disappearance has remained an international sensation and mystery almost 90 years later as they vanished without a trace. The most common and likely theory was that they crashed into the ocean too deep to find the wreckage. But there's theories that range from cannibalism, desert island kingdoms, all the way to aliens. Spouses at Fort Leavenworth, you can see where she was born just 20 minutes up the road at the Amelia Earhart Birthplace Museum. It's a fun little day trip, and Atchison has the cutest downtown area. That's it for me. I'm Annie Pierce, standing in for Emma T with New Six, where information empowers. We love hearing from those ladies each week, celebrating our fellow military spouses, offering the words we need to so desperately hear, and of course, keeping us informed with uplifting military life news. Thanks, gals. Now let's take a quick 45 second break, then we'll be right back. Here at Mission Mill Spouse, military spouses are our primary focus. We have more than 2,600 blogs with topics including PCS, parenting, career guidance, humor, deployment, and more. Whether you're dating a service member, have just said I do as a new spouse, or are a seasoned spouse with a whole collection of PCS stickers on your furniture, we have something for you. But hey, don't just take our word for it. I'm Lindsay, and when my husband joined the military, I was completely lost when it came to assimilating to military life and culture. This organization made me feel like I had support, a new community I could lean on, and equip me with invaluable information about military spouse life. Tap into all of our empowering resources at missionmillspouse.org or follow us across all social media platforms at Mission Millspouse. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gents. As we prepare to sign off, remember to catch our mini cast that drop on Thursdays and gear up for our next full length episode when we chat with our guest, Brie Carroll, in the show titled Stronger Together Celebrating Military Marriage Day 2023 and the Bonds That Endure. We're counting down the minutes until we meet up with you here again. We'd love to give another huge thank you to Defenders Gateway for supporting us on our journey to globally empower mill spouses. You can download the Defenders Gateway app today as thousands more resources are coming, including the new Defenders Gateway chat and Kids Corner. Find the Defenders Gateway app at Google Play Store or Apple Store. If you want to join the ranks of Defenders Gateway, consider donating to Mission Mill Spouse on our website by clicking that magical donate button. All contributions are tax deductible and go directly to empower military spouses with resources and support. As the longest running military spouse empowerment organization, your investment is a great one. 
Listeners, no matter where you're at on this military journey, new or seasoned, active, guard, retired, or prior service, Army, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, Navy, or Space Force, always remember, we've been there. You're not alone. We've got your six. This is your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team, signing out. Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice to catch episodes that drop every Monday and Thursdays each week. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or LinkedIn at Mission Millspouse. Snag some sweet freebies by signing up for our newsletter, The Sit Rep. And finally, if you'd like to join us on our mission to serve military spouses, consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website or email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Mission Mill Spouse, empowering you to navigate this military life since 2005.